0: Welcome to the Color and Chaos podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Whether this is your first time or your second time or 50th time, thank you so much for being a part of this. This exists for you. And my hope and my prayer is, is that, and basically this is the hope and prayer of all of Color and Chaos, is that everything here will point you away from focusing on the chaos of your life. It will be an honor for me to be able to pray for you today um, and just for us Both to be able to come into this together, no matter what we have on our hearts or in our minds, but just to know that we are safe to bring ourselves to the Lord, knowing that the Lord knows us even more than what we even know ourselves as. And so again, it'll be an honor to pray for you. And uh, we'll do that and then jump into today's message. Thank you so much for being here. Lord God, Just thank you so much. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for getting us out of bed. Thank you for opening up our eyes and giving us breath today. Um, Lord, I I pray specifically for those that uh, maybe it's hard for them to thank you. Maybe they got something on their heart or mind or, or just a chaos or a trauma in their life right now. Lord, you know them inside and out. You know what they are going through. You know their situation. Lord, you grieve as they grieve. Lord, you mourn as they mourn. Um, but Lord, you are where we find our joy. You are where we find our peace. You are where we find our identity and our purpose. So Lord, we look to you. Lord, we don't want to hide the things on our heart or on our mind, but we want to bring it to you. So Lord, just take every bit of uh, who I am, Lord, and my, my strengths and my weaknesses, Lord, and take every bit of our strengths and our weaknesses, Lord, and just move uh, through this podcast. Lord, just please uh, penetrate our hearts and draw us closer to you, regardless of the chaos is in our life, Lord. And just thank you for being able uh, to give an opportunity for me to be able to do this, and I just pray that you use this for your good and for your glory. But we need you. In your name, we pray and we surrender. Amen. My heart's really been heavy um, recently. I feel like my heart's always heavy. That's uh, where a lot of uh, the uh, the whole premise of color and chaos comes from. For some reason, I just feel like I, I kind of always have kind of like a cloud over me. Um, and, and, and really, honestly, it doesn't stop joy in my life. It doesn't stop um, purpose or identity or hope. But there's just this kind of cloud, this um, melancholy, I guess, that kind of follows me a lot. And so I'm constantly just seeking the Lord um, for refuge and seeking Him for, um, for just for clarity, uh, clarity of thought, uh, even just to make it through the day and to process the, the world around me. Every single day when I wake up, I'm, I'm always thinking about um, not only the heaviness in my heart, but I'm also thinking about the heaviness in other people's hearts. I, I've i always been like this, but I, I, I struggle to pass by somebody without looking at them or acknowledging that they're there. I've talked about it on this podcast before. Not everybody's like that, and I don't think it's just because I came from South Carolina and I was born and raised there. I don't think it's a Southern thing. I think it's just how the Lord wired me, and it's something that I'm I'm constantly dancing and tiptoeing around because there's one part of... Acknowledging that somebody's there, that sometimes it can kind of be a little creepy. You know, somebody may not want to be acknowledged, or not want to be looked at, or waved to, or 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 vocally acknowledged. And then there's the other side of me that's just like, regardless of regardless of whatever the social norms or the social stigmas that are. Are going on, I know that like I can't help but just to acknowledge that they're there. So because I often uh, wrestle with that with the heaviness in heart, I am I'm, I'm very prone to acknowledge the heaviness around me, and so I'm, I'm constantly looking um, at th- those around me. And just asking and praying the Lord, Lord, help me not be so entrenched in what I'm thinking and what I'm processing that I miss out on what other people are thinking and processing. And so he's, by his grace, he's given me a lot of compassion and empathy for others because I know myself how much I need grace and compassion and empathy. And in saying that with this podcast, the premise of this podcast from the very get-go wasn't for those who felt like their lives were all in order. It was for those who felt like they were outcast, uh, abandoned. Um, they had a lot of maybe confusions or hurts, uh, maybe a lot of regrets. Uh, those who felt like the chaoses in life um, were very real and very raw to where they were. And everything that they were processing in their day-to-day life was f- processed through the chaos in their life. And so that's always been my heart, not only for this podcast, but even off of the camera and off of the mic. Um, I'm always just constantly thinking about the heavy hearts around me and also bringing my heavy heart to the Lord. So if you saw the title of today's me- message or episode, then you saw that it's, 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 it's centered around those who feel like they're unlovable. And maybe you can relate with that. Maybe you're listening or watching this, and maybe you yourself um, have felt like as if you were unlovable. Maybe it's something that you've done or, or something that has been done to you. Maybe right now you feel unlovable. Maybe it's something that uh, you're going through right now that is is putting this kind of filter on your perspective of your, your life and your value and your worth, and you're feeling very unlovable. Regardless of wherever you're at, this episode is for you. Regardless of why you feel unlovable, if it's something that you feel like is your fault or if it's because of something that you would say, no, it's because of somebody else or something else or some, whatever the variable is that has, has caused you to feel unlovable today. Maybe it's a hurt or a pain or a, a bitterness, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. The fact that you feel unlovable is is a big deal and that's something that I don't take lightly and the fact that you are here today to, to listen or watch this. I, I, I want to guard your heart, and I want to I shepherd your heart well. And so in saying that, in today's episode, I wanted to read a post um, from back in 2016 that I wrote. It was the second post I ever did here on Color and Chaos before there was a podcast that was a written blog, and it's called The Farmer and the Stump. It was my very first time in Canada. It was when I was coming up here from South Carolina to visit Michigan because I felt as if the Lord was calling me up here to Michigan, but I wasn't sure, and I just wanted to make sure. And so I took a took a trip up here, took a week off work, and I went from Detroit all the way to Port Huron, which is a, which is a, a, a port here in, in Michigan, and then I went to Canada through that port. And so when I was in Canada, it was my first time in a, in a neighboring nation of the United States. I've never been to Mexico. And so I was in Canada, and I was just like in awe. And one of my buddies was driving. I, I came up here to visit with one of my buddies, and I was sitting in the shotgun, and I had my camera with me. I recently got this camera. Um, this is around graduation of college, so I had this camera just for um, just to kind of capture all of the moments going on in my life at that point. So I had this camera and I snapped this picture, this picture that you're seeing on your screen again if, if you're watching this. And this picture was very fascinating to me because despite the speed that we were going, I was able to just make have a clear picture, a clear picture of this field of sunflowers or dandelions. Honestly, I can't remember what it is, but this yellow flower, it's just the sea as far as you can see of of this just, just yellow flower. And then I also saw the green trees in the distance. This was around May that I took this picture. And uh, and it was just such a beautiful sight to behold, especially from the side of the road, side of an interstate. Um, well, I guess in Canada, it's not called interstate. I don't know what it's called, but fast road. <laughs> and, um, and but but what caught my eye wasn't really the sea of yellow, but it was this, I call it a stump, but it's more of just kind of this dead, decaying, used to be a plant or a shrub just kind of there in the f- in, in 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 the picture and so you have this beautiful picture but then you have this kind of anomaly of this random dead stump or or shrub whatever it was and it just kind of de- detracted from this beautiful picture and in the picture, you see the road, and then you see the field, and then you see the trees off in the distance, and 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 the color is just so beautiful in this picture. You got the blues, you got the sky that is so blue, and 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 again, all of the color of the of the plants all around and the trees, and and the and everything just was so piscu- picturesque. But then this random ugly shrub, dead plant was there, and so as I was looking through my pictures after I got back from Michigan. I was just kind of inspired looking at this picture. That at first, what my eyes went towards was was that the fact that the stump was disgusting, and that it kind of took away, detracted from the picture. But then, as I was just looking at it, I started to think, well, what if this stump is a little bit more like me? What if, what if you know in those moments where I just feel unlovable? At the time, I was going through um, a breakup with someone that I was engaged to after three years. And it was just a lot of a lot of hurt that I was feeling, a lot of pain that I was feeling. And if you've ever been through a breakup or a divorce or or, um, or anything traumatic like that, anything relationship wise, then you know that there's times that sometimes you feel unlovable. And so, it was after the breakup, and I was feeling very unlovable and just kind of like, kind of like a, I don't know, just you know how it is, just that that you know who who once you found as your best friend is now nothing more than than someone that you just keep your distance to just that kind of contrast of what used to be to what it is now and and you start to ask yourself the questions if if you've ever been through a breakup then then maybe you can relate in this usually after a breakup I know for me I'll, I'll start to ask myself questions and I'll 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 start to ask myself you know lord what what is it about me what is it about me is there something about me that um, that caused this? Is there something about me that is, is wrong and it needs to be fixed? Is there, is there a flaw in me that, that I couldn't tell? Is, 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 am I the reason why this breakup happened? And, and so I was looking at this picture and I just couldn't help but just relate to this, this stump, this, this, just, this, this ugly, distractive thing here in the field. And so I wrote this from the perspective of this stump. And so that's how uh, the story is going to be written. So put yourself into this moment, and I want to read this to you, The Farmer and the Stump. It starts off with an excerpt from 1 Corinthians 2, 9, and it says this, No human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. I can only imagine what this stump feels. Day in and day out, you look out to an endless sea of beauty, as you look all day and all night, you look out and can't help but think about where the beauty of the flowers came from. And as you think day in and day out, you joyfully reflect over the fact that you are a part of this unexplainable beauty. You think of the ways that you can grow to be like those that surround you, and inside you thrive simply by being surrounded by those doing the same. But what consumes most of your thoughts is not the beauty of what's around you, but how greater the beauty of the farmer must be, whose tracks in the in the dirt you can see as a sign of his love and his loyalty to his garden, and not only to his garden, but to you. You thrive and thrive and thrive, and you can only imagine how beautiful you must be since the farmer seems to only make beautiful things. As far as your eye can see, you see beauty, and that's all your identity is found solely in, and it's not just beauty, but it's the farmer's beauty. But one day, you get a desire to turn around. You hear noises, and you know that turning around, even for a second, would take your eyes off of the endless beauty around you. But you tell yourself, maybe beauty can be found without the farmer. Maybe beauty is found behind me, where maybe the farmer hasn't went yet. Maybe beauty isn't tied directly to the farmer. And you harmlessly think to yourselves, maybe I don't even need the farmer. And you say out loud, but at that that moment, you decide to turn around. Day in and day out, you look out to an endless sea of faces. As you look out all day and all night, you can't help but look intently into the faces and have awe and wonder. And as you look out, you see a sea of cars flying by. And and you look at the faces of those who are looking at you. But one day, you see something you have never seen before when they look at you as the cars pass by. As you see the yellow reflection of the beautiful flowers in their eyes reflecting off of them, you also see your reflection. You see disgust on their faces. And ultimately, you see death your world instantly turns to gray as you refuse to reflect on the farmer and the former beauty behind you that you once believed that only he was capable of producing. You begin to embrace the, the, the fact that maybe you aren't a part of the beauty around you, but maybe you are the problem and it would be better if you just disappeared. After all, there is nothing in you that anyone would desire. You're dead, you hear inside. You are dead, you hear inside, as you see yourself with no leaves and you look at the reflection in the eyes of the people in the cars that pass without a concern for you. Day in and day out, you look inside yourself and you say, I am dead, I am dead. And you know that daily the farmer comes to water and tend to the flowers. And you remember even seeing his marks from the tires that traveled to get to the flowers in order to water them. But you were so convinced inside that the farmer would just chop you down, that you refuse to turn back around towards the sea of beauty and towards the farmer and cry out for the water that you know you need since seeing your reflection in the eyes of those that passed you by. Your acknowledgement that you are dead becomes an identity for you. Though nobody told you you were dead, your reflection told you that you are dead. You embrace the fact that you will never be beautiful. But then the farmer comes to you. And as you see his reflection in the car is approaching, you've already made up your mind. You will embrace the fact that you are dead instead of looking towards him. And instead of looking towards him, you will look towards the passing cars in stubborn opposition to the farmer that once you believed only created beautiful things. For a fleeting moment, you desperately look in the eyes of the passing faces and the cars and you search for just a glimmer of hope that it can be found apart from the farmer. Maybe I'm not dead, you think to yourselves. You begin to question why you have this intense refusal of the farmer. But as you see your dead reflection in the eyes of those who are looking at you, you begin to hate the farmer even more and more as you yell, the farmer is what did this to me. If only he would have watered me, then I would have died. Where was he when I withered away? Where was he when I died? The hatred grows and grows, and you'd rather stay dead forever than to turn around and cry out to him. But with every thought, he advances towards you, and you can see him advancing closer to you through the reflection of the mirrors passing you by and the eyes looking at you through the cars going fast speeds in front of you. You look instead to the passing cars and you can't dare to tell yourself to turn around to the farmer behind you. Yet in this moment, the farmer approaches and you hear him speak to you as if he knew what your thoughts were. And as you freeze in anticipation of what the farmer is going to say, he says to you gently, but yet with authority, he says this to you. You ask where I was. I watered you as you looked towards the beauty of my flowers. I was watering you when you were thriving as I was doing so. I was watering you when your identity was found in me and my beauty. Yet you died when you turned around. This post is one of my favorites because I see a lot of myself in the stump. I know that there there has been times in my life where I have just been in so, so much stubborn just opposition to the Lord that I refuse to rest in him. I know there's been many times where people have said something about me or said something to me that has kind of hurt and been painful. And maybe it was the truth or maybe it was a lie. Whatever it is, it just kind of breaks me. And instead of looking towards the Lord in those moments, I know there's been times where I just kind of look to myself and, and I, I start to allow that just negativity to grow within me. And I fail to find rest and identity back in the creator who created me but instead i'm looking at all these people and all these things to to find that maybe as i was reading this you 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 thought of yourself you thought of the things that have been said to you or the things that have been done to you that has kind of held you captive in different ways. Maybe it's held you captive in your personality. Maybe it's held you captive in the way that you process things. Or maybe it's held you captive in fear or worry or doubt or insecurity. No matter what is holding you captive, I pray that we look towards the Lord, towards the farmer to set us free. Because at the end of the day, it is only the farmer, it is only our creator, savior, sustainer, that can give us a worth and identity that goes beyond anything this world can offer. And it's the world that broke us to begin with. It's, it's those moments where we turn around and we think we can find what we're looking for in other things or, or in other people or what other people say about us or what other people do to us. And, and we start to get distracted from the reality that it's not what this world can offer us that fills the void within us, but it's beyond this, this world. When we stop looking at this world to fill us when we said, look back towards the farmer and say, Lord, creator, savior, sustainer, you are the one that alone can water me and give me the life and sustenance that I need to be who you've created me to be. That when we feel unlovable, all it takes is us turning back around towards the farmer and crying out to him and saying, who am I to you? Who am I to you? And for those that are questioning who they are to the farmer, Maybe maybe it's something that you once knew or, or once thought you knew, but you've been going through a chaos in your life recently that is kind of getting you to kind of doubt if you're loved or not. I wanted to read a passage to you, and it's found in Mark 8. It's right after the miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 people from just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. And so the disciples have already seen miracles that the Lord has done. Not only that, but the Lord has has healed. Jesus has healed people from blindness. He has healed people um, from being able to even uh, not hear, from deafness. And so the disciples, these disciples have seen Jesus do miracles. And Jesus is about to do another miracle. And I just want to bring you into what's going on in this passage And so he's already fed 5,000, and there's about to be another moment where something similar is about to happen. But there's an application in this that I want us to get to as we get done with this passage. So this is Mark 8, verse 1. About this time, another large crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. So Jesus called his disciples and told him, I feel sorry for these people. They have been with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way. For some of them had come a long distance. So his disciples replied, how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? Verse 5, Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. And then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, and he broke them into pieces. He gave them to his disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. Verse seven, a few small fish were found too, so Jesus also blessed those and gave them to the disciples to distribute them. They ate as much as they wanted. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men in that crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. Immediately after this, he got into the boat with his disciples and crossed over to another region. Verse 11, When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him. Testing him, they demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. When he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. I will not give this generation any such sign. So he got back into the boat and left them, and he crossed to the other side of the lake verse 14. And this right here, I this is the crux of what I wanted to talk about today. But this is Mark 8, verse 14. And it says this, but the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They only had one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing in the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this, they began to argue with one another because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying So he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or even understand yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? Twelve, they said. And and when I fed the 4000 with 7 loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet? he asked them. This passage stands out to me because these disciples, they clearly saw and had recollection of what the Lord did previously. Now, these disciples saw that Jesus, he literally did a miracle of taking a little bit of bread and and having enough to not only feed the 4,000 men, but even more than that of the women and the children that were there. So Jesus fed so many people with so little. They already acknowledged that they had recollection of that. Because when Jesus asked them, you know, do you remember anything at all? And he asked them specific questions like, how many baskets did I have left over? They, they knew exactly what the answers were. So it wasn't like they f- forgot what the Lord did. They knew what the Lord did. It was just that they weren't looking through the lens of what the Lord did to define where they were at in the chaos of the moment. See, at the moment, they were so caught up in the chaos that they had no food, or they thought they had no food, but they had no food that when Jesus said something, they thought it was through the lens of them having no food. So Jesus is saying, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. So right before this, we know that the Pharisees were so just pouncing on Jesus, and except for for looking at the miraculous signs that Jesus did before, they were demanding that he did a miraculous sign now, that they were were missing it to the point that Jesus said, I'm not going to show you a sign. Because their hearts were so hardened. Even if Jesus showed them a sign, it wouldn't have done anything. For goodness sake, Jesus just fed thousands of people. And there's people around him that knew that he just did this. He fed them from nothing. And the Pharisees were so hardened in heart. They weren't looking for proof that Jesus was Messiah. They were just looking for a way to trap him. And we see that earlier in in the passages, how they were just looking for moments to trap him because they wanted him dead. They refused to accept him as Messiah. And so all of a sudden now the disciples are in the boat and Jesus says something, but they're looking through the lens of their chaos that they can't help, help us see truly what Jesus is saying. And I was thinking about this as it co- goes down to the, the moments where we feel like we're not loved. And I know it's, it's in moments where I stop, stop questioning whether or not I'm loved by the Lord or, or it stop questioning the, the, the distance that maybe I feel in the Lord. It's so in the moments where I stop and say, okay, Lord, okay, remind me of, of what you have done And help that be enough to sustain me through the the chaos of right now. And Lord, help me not miss the truth through all of the questions that I have. The disciples knew what Jesus did, but they failed to let that sink deep within them and let that be truth, even in the moments where they felt like they didn't have enough. The disciples would have known if they allowed the miracle to set in deep, the disciples would have known that they don't need to argue about food or even worry about food, but they're with the living God who makes something out of nothing. That Jesus showed them twice that he can take nothing, practically nothing, and and, and feed multitudes to the point that there's even left over. And Jesus wasn't talking about the fact that they didn't have any bread. He was given an analogy of saying, look, what the Pharisees just did, and, and they were just so hardened in heart. Don't let that be where your hearts are at. Don't let how they are perceiving me and they, they are just so blinded to who I am. And they refuse to accept me for who I am. Don't let that be who you become. Jesus wasn't talking about the yeast of, or the, the lack of yeast of the bread that they didn't have in the boat. He was talking about the Pharisees and their hardened hearts. But sometimes when we're so caught up in the feelings and emotions that we have in our day-to-day life, the feelings of inadequacy or the feelings that we're not lovable or the feelings that we're not good enough, sometimes we let that be the filter that we see everything. And sometimes even seeing a stranger passes by, except for looking at that stranger as an opportunity to be able to reach out to them, we're instead so self-conscious sometimes, and this is just an example, but so self-conscious sometimes that we're thinking, okay, what are they thinking? Or we're trying to just, you know, not acknowledge them because we don't want to be hurt or we don't want to pain. And this is one example. But the moments that we feel unlovable, we're definitely not going to go to the Lord who has loved us so much. Because in our minds, we might be deceived that the Lord, there's no way that the Lord can love me. Maybe you've, you've been through so much or you've done so much or, or something has happened to you that is just broken and evil and just disgusting and you can't help but just feel like, okay, I, with all that this that has happened, I can't believe that the Lord can love me. But when that happens, we fail to see the truth Because we're so overwhelmed by the chaos that we are experiencing in our heart and our mind. The the reality of it is, is that we have a creator that every single time we go astray, he pursues after us. Even if you look at the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis, and you read the first three chapters, you see a God who created us in his own image and he gave us a command to 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 trust that when he said we are good that we are good and not to look to anything else to 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 tell us something else and he gave us a command to to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and yet when we were deceived by the serpent we said okay okay i know that god said that i'm good but this serpent is telling me that i'll be like god if i eat from this tree So I want to be like God so much that I'm blinding myself to the reality that I don't have to be like God when God himself has already told me that I'm good. That instead of being content in who he created us to be, we kept looking for more. And in that search for looking for more, we rebelled against him. We broke that intimacy and that faithfulness that we had with our holy God. And no longer were we holy at all. But then even in that, the three chapters, we see that God had a plan to redeem that brokenness that just happened in the garden through sending himself. And he talks to the, uh, to, to the serpent. He talks to Satan. And he says, look, you will cause this hostility between man and me, but I'm going to crush that hostility, that I'm going to do what Adam failed to do we also see how the Lord clothed Adam and Eve in the garden after their rebellion. So God sacrificed an animal in order to clothe his son and daughter. God pursued after us, and he also provided for us when he had no reason why he should. You see that at the very beginning, but then ultimately you see it in Jesus you see that promise that was in Genesis 3 fulfilled with Jesus on the cross. And Jesus lived a life that we couldn't live in order to die the sacrifice that we couldn't be to atone for the sin that we can never pay. And Jesus lived the sinless life, but died covered in our sin and our brokenness. And he died as a sacrifice for you and for me. And those moments where we feel unlovable, he proved his love to us because when we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us. That there could be no more argument on whether a fact or not that we had a creator that loved us, but he demonstrated his love for us, that on the cross, he died for us. And so it's in the moments where we stop looking at the chaos, but we instead say, okay, Lord, what is truth? What does your word say? Am I loved by you regardless of what I do? And the answer is yes, you are so loved. You are loved to the point that he took every hostility between you and him on the cross. But may we not be like these disciples that were so caught in the chaos that we missed the truth. The reality is, if you right now listening or watching this and you feel unlovable, you are so, 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 so loved. And there's nothing that you can do or say that can take away that love. But there has to be a response to the love that God has demonstrated through Christ on the cross. That if we just live pridefully and selfishly rejecting, just like that stump, rejecting the farmer, we will never accept the love that the farmer has for us. The Lord doesn't force us to reciprocate that love back towards him, but he gives us an invitation. So heavy heart, heavy mind today, What are you going through? Is there anything that you are going through right now that maybe has put a hostility between you, the stump, and the farmer? Because the reality is, is that you are beautiful in his eyes. You are so beautiful on the cross. He said it is finished. He took away all that death, all all the hateful words that somebody has said to you, all the hateful thoughts that you have felt, all of the insignificant just baggage that you have within you. All of the brokenness within you, Jesus loved you so much that he died for you to take that brokenness away. But may we accept that love today. We have a farmer that pursues after us no matter what we do or what we go through. But there's a response that needs to happen and, and not just a, a head, head response. May we not be like the disciples who knew, that you know, had, the, had, the, had the intelligence to know you know, the good news. But instead there was a response that the Lord was looking for. And the way that we respond to the grace that Jesus has offered us on the cross, the way that we respond is through surrender of our lives, surrender of our our identities. We acknowledge that we are dead apart from him. And we say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. You are Lord, you are master. I have been created by you. I have been saved by you and you yourself will sustain me. And I surrender my will and my future and my, my present. I surrender even my own morality. I surrender it all to your word and to your way. Lord, make me into who you've created me to be, not who others say I am, not even who I think I am, but who you've created me to be. Help me be more like you. And as we do that through surrender, daily surrender, He renews us through his word. And by focusing on his word and saying, look, Lord, your word, your scripture, your Bible is going to be the truth of my life, that I am going to feast on you because you alone know who I am. And as I feast on you, I'll know also who you are and I will know who I am. And in doing that, we know how loved we are heavy heart. You are so loved. You are loved beyond anything that has been done to you or anything that you have done. But it it takes a moment of surrender to say, okay, Lord, I'm looking to you. No longer am I looking towards all of this brokenness, but I'm looking to you. What are the bullet holes in your life right now? What are the bullet holes in your heart? May May there be a freedom today. And bringing those bullet holes and the, and the hurt and the pain and the questions and the fears and the anxiety and the worries and the doubts, bringing it to the forgiving and faithful Savior. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And that includes you. That includes you. That doesn't include those who got it together. None of us do apart from him. For God so loved the world that he set himself that whoever believes in Him and accepts that love will not perish. That 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 death won't have the final word. Death will not that 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 they will not perish, but that they will have everlasting life. And then John three seventeen that that God that that God did not come to condemn the world, but that the world will be saved through Him. You are not condemned. You are forgiven. Sometimes we can have it so firmly set in our mind that we are so unlovable that we start to allow that feeling of unlovability start to produce a hardness within us and a stubbornness and a rejection of the creator and our farmer who loves us so much, who has done everything everything possible to prove to us you know, even dying on the cross for us to show us his love for us. But sometimes the, even the, just the, the intoxication of the belief that we are unlovable pushes us away from the truth. And that's not the way it should be. That's not the way it should be. May we not miss it because we are so focused on lies that you are so loved regardless of whatever has been done to you or whatever you have done heavy heart, rest easy. Why? Because you are loved. You are loved. Let that sink in. You are loved. May, may, may the reality of us being loved not be on what others have said about us, but the extent that the creator goes to pursue us and to have us. We know we are loved because Christ died for us. Not because of what we can do. We were dead in our sin. We were dead in our sin. Heavy heart, may I pray for you today? May I pray for you? May I pray that today you, you, you are just intentionally pursuing after the Lord, knowing that he is intentionally pursuing after you. May there be a freedom today. May there be a surrender today. Can I just pray for you? Can I just pray that that there would be a response to today's message? Lord God, just thank you so much that you are faithfully pursuing after our hearts, that you love us so much that you call us beautiful, even in our brokenness. Thank you so much, Lord, that when we were dead in our sins, you died for us. You love us so much. Jesus, I pray for the heavy hearts today that just feel unlovable. Lord, in the moments where we feel unlovable, Lord, may we look towards you and your truth and not the lies of what others say or even what we say or what we think. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. And we, we ask you to please give us wisdom to be able to go through our day to day and break our hearts for what breaks yours. Help us be not only just focused on ourselves and the chaos, but help us primarily seek you first. Seek your kingdom first and everything else will work itself out. Lord, you are a faithful farmer. And Lord, even when we feel like a disgusting stump, Lord, you are faithful to, to sustain us through every season of life. Jesus, thank you for what you've done. And I pray for those that are listening or watching us that they just feel so loved today and that there's a response, not an intellectual response, but a heart response today. Lord, may we respond to you knowing that you have responded to us in our brokenness. We need you, Jesus. In your name we pray and we surrender. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming out today. If this has blessed you, feel free to share this with somebody else or subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube or subscribe if you're listening to this on Spotify or on iTunes or on the Google Play Music Store. But thank you so much. This is a conversation, so feel free to reach out to me if there's any prayer requests that you have or anything heavy on your heart that you just want to talk to somebody through. Just know that you are not alone and that we are in this together. God bless you. May we walk away from today knowing firmly we are loved and there's nothing that could take that away. Nothing can take that away. God bless you. You have a great day. I'll talk to you next week. See you.